Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing today? I don't know. I've had a, I've been feeling weird over the past few days. There's a nasty bug going around London. Is that? Yeah. And the people I live with caught this bug last week. And so last week, on like Friday and Saturday and Sunday, I was quite ill. Wait, sorry. Are we talking about a mind virus or are we talking about... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the mind virus of minimalism. <laughs> no, um, no, this is the, uh, the flu virus, I think. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Um, so yeah, for the first time in like two years, probably, and maybe even longer than that. I think even pre-COVID, I never really properly was ill very much. Mm. I was like properly ill over the weekend, oh. and I'm still like not 100. percent um, Yeah, I'm freaking tough from my. Oh well, thanks for taking the time to come down to the, the studio. Yeah, yeah. I'm referring to it as a studio rather than the office because the studio sounds cooler. Really? Do you agree? The studio? Yeah, yeah. Studio does sound cooler than office. In Gymshark, I refer to their building as HQ. HQ. Yeah. Oh, I'm just heading down to HQ, and that, that's that's how really we refer cool. To causal, <laughs> no, they don't. Huh? No. Yeah, it's called causal HQ. <laughs> no, but they don't refer to it as HQ. What? I'm heading over to HQ. Oh, like that, they're spies? Huh? Like they're secret agents? Yeah, something like that. That feels really cool. Sorry, I interrupted your um, uh, lamenting. Yeah, so I was ill. Um, I'm still recovering, and I think that's kind of thrown thrown me off the past week or so. But I remember on like Friday night, Friday night was when it was really setting in. And I feel like, I feel like when you're, when you're ill, you make the decision of like, okay, am I going to mope about this or am I not? Okay. <laughs> and on Friday night, I was feeling ill. And so on Friday evening, I made the decision to wallow and mope. <laughs> and I had like a, an evening in bed. <laughs> I had a whole setup. I had my toilet roll to wipe my nose okay. and my water bottle <laughs> and like your water bottle watching... for what? <laughs> <laughs> to drink okay. and uh, sort of yeah, tried to watch a movie or something so I, I like made a decision like I'm, I'm gonna wallow this evening right yeah. and then the next day I had plans with a bunch of friends who I hadn't seen in a while and I woke up and I was feeling kind of like oh I'm ill and I, I, I was genuinely quite ill but then I made the decision okay I'm not gonna wallow <laughs> I want to do things today mm. and I feel like the whole all right, I want to get your medical opinion on this. Can can you are you still allowed to give medical opinions? Um, uh, for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> okay, not medical advice. What is this deal with like you should rest when you're ill? Here's the thing, right? Like, if I'm resting, I'm on my computer looking at a screen. If I'm not resting, I'm doing the same thing. You know, it's not like I'm physically exerting myself if I'm not resting, right? So, like, what do people mean about this whole, oh, you know, take the day off, you know, just rest? It's, I, I don't buy it. I, I feel like if you choose to wallow, you will wallow. And if you choose to get on with things, you'll feel mostly fine. I mean, you won't feel, you won't feel mostly fine. You'll still feel ill, mm. but you can still crack on with stuff and you'll okay. feel better than if you were wallowing about it. I mean, my non-medical advice, medical opinion on this is that, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it, it depends what does rest look like. For you, when you're resting, you're, you're lying in bed on the laptop watching Netflix. 
And for you, when you're working, you are lying on bed on the laptop watching Netflix. So, <laughs> for a man such as yourself, the difference between rest and work is fairly minimal and does, okay. does not have much of a physiological impact on your immune system. Yeah. You know, if, if we've got, we, we've got Ang uh, Angus, for example, when he's resting, he's at home watching football videos. When he's working, he's hauling ass to London from Oxford. <laughs> he's going for a run at six o'clock in the morning. And he's coming to the studio and he's working all day for about 14 hours. Um, wow. <laughs> allegedly. And then, <laughs> then going for a run again, back to the station, back home. There's quite a lot of, you know, you, you know he's, he's doing things like getting us coffee, moving the plants around. There's a lot of physical exertion there. Okay, so the, the issue is physical exertion. I think so. Because I think most people don't have much physical exertion in their jobs nowadays. I, I mean, mean, I guess it depends, depends where you are, but sure. Uh, yeah, physical, but I think, I think there is an element of like, you know... Mental exertion? Mental exertion, like looking off... How does the virus know if I'm mentally exerting myself? It's a mind virus, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, but like, 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 for example, if you're in the middle of an intense chess game, for example, it takes a lot of concentration. Yeah. And that, that sort of feels like it uses up energy. And if your energy is being used up on things other than that, i.e. fighting off an infection... Uh, theoretically, you might you might have less of a sort of cognitive, mm, you know, brain power to okay, play with. Yeah, you get me. Less juice. Yeah, like if you're super tired and sleep deprived and stuff, then it, there's less juice in the brain. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If you're super tired and sleep deprived, I can I can see how like getting more sleep might help. Mm. Yeah, so you know, being in a sort of having having an infection where your body is in sort of fight mode against the infection, and the inflammatory response is kicking in, and energy is being used to fight the infection. Sort of the equivalent to, well, not the equivalent, sort of, sort, of, sort of similar to not having enough juice because you're tired, I reckon. I feel like brain energy is different How does from that body happen? energy, isn't it? Like, I don't know, I guess it's all one system. I mean, there's big brain energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's, it's, it's all one thing, man. So you're pro-rest, pro-wallowing, moping. I'm, I'm not pro-moping. Okay. I'm pro-enjoying the journey. And if enjoying the journey means moping once in a while, that's fine. But I wouldn't prescribe moping. As a as a, as a as a remedy. So if you're feeling ill, you'd prescribe still crack on with things and you'll feel better. Well, you're going to feel better by default because time is the thing that's ultimately going to heal your infection. And if you're exerting yourself to the point that your body doesn't have enough energy to fight off the infection, uh, that's uh, that's pretty unlikely to happen. Here, okay, here's the other here's the other issue with the rest slash moping approach. Yeah. It's that it's much more top of mind if if you if you go down that route. Mm. Like on Friday evening. It was very top of mind while I was like resting that like, oh, I'm ill, oh, yeah. you know. Whereas on Saturday when I was out and about, I was definitely quite ill, mm. but I was out and about, you're not really thinking about it. You just, you blow your nose every now and then, you know, there's like physical mm. things you have to do. Yeah, I don't but think you being out better. and about on Saturday would have had a physiological impact on your illness, but it makes you feel better because you're doing stuff. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that the prescription of rest mm. I think you'd probably just have a worse day than if you didn't rest. Yeah, maybe. You got it? That's my view. I think the other, the other time where this comes into play, if you're walking outdoors and it starts to rain a little bit, um, then you'll think, oh no, it's raining. I'm getting, I'm getting wet. <laughs> you know, <gasps> this is not good. <laughs> kind of vibe. Please keep continuing in that, in that voice. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're cycling outdoors and it's raining, you just don't care, you know? I care when it's raining when I'm cycling. Really? Yeah. Really? I don't want to get wet. I mean, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm getting wet. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. If you're like cycling to and from the gym or something. Yeah. You care about whether it, it, it being raining or not raining. Dude, I, there, there have been 
one or two occasions where I've skipped the gym because I don't want to cycle in the rain. Oh, wow. Okay. Slash Ubered it to the gym because <laughs> I don't want to cycle it in the rain for 10 minutes. Funny hell. Okay. Well, I think the, I think the cycling thing is a, well, for me at least, and I, I, I would guess other people as well. When you're cycling or like running or whatever, you know, your, your head's in a different place and you choose to ignore and not care about the rain hitting you. Hmm. But when you're walking, your head is, in a, is not in that place and you, cho- you choose to like be concerned about the rain thing you know like if you, sure. if you have you never just like been out running or cycling or something and it starts raining and it it just feels liberating to not to have to care about that like oh it's raining Who cares? yeah yeah if i'm wearing like a raincoat or something and i'm like you know got my helmet got my raincoat yes my jeans are getting a bit wet i'm thinking oh god i'm gonna get to work i'm gonna have a wet bum so that's what i'm well that's sort of what i'm thinking about but if it was I, if i was walking and i had to go through that for sort of three times as long all right fine i'm not sure it's the equivalent of the rest situation well, I think I think it's equivalent in the sense that like you can choose to mope, you can choose to like mm. mope about it, or you can just crack on. And I think just cracking on and like ignoring it, yeah, you know, it does actually make the problem go away. Yeah, I've often I often kind of jokingly say that sleep sleep being sleep de- being sleep deprived is just placebo. It's all in your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, in that, and I, I had a phase at uni where. I would go to bed, but I would not let myself look at the time that I was going to sleep because I knew that if I woke up thinking, oh, I've only had five hours of sleep or six hours of sleep, it would ruin my day. And if I didn't know I've only had six hours of sleep, then I possibly wouldn't be able to tell the difference between me waking up after six, seven hours or eight hours of sleep. And therefore, what's the point of knowing that? Mm. So I had this thing for a while where I would, I would do that and just not know. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my friends who do like sleep tracking and stuff they've found similar things where they be like it's actually just a net negative because if i i wake up feeling fine and then i see that i only got six hours then i'm like oh no i'm sleep deprived yeah <laughs> you know so that was my week how was your week been so you uh-huh. guys moved into a new studio yeah where we are filming this right now we got a plant got got that tree in the background from some online retailer nice that is a fake tree that i got from downstairs because i asked one of the people in the building we, we, we need a plant in the background for your angle mm. Uh, we stole this one from downstairs as well. And we're in the process of kitting out the studio so that it can look absolutely sick. Um, so we've got the interior designers of this place drawing up plans for turning this wall into something sick looking. Mm. Probably going to have half of the studio being like the office setup. Oh my God, is that a bee? Is that a wasp? How did a wasp get in here? That's because we've got the doors open. We've got half the office as like office setup and then the other half a studio setup. We're thinking of getting like a sort of curtain going across that we can use as like mm. a soundproofing device as a divider for when we're filming. But it's quite nice because there's sort of natural light coming in both sides. Yeah, there's a lot of light. Like um, good vibes. And the light is like, it's a, it's a bit hard to control if we're doing the videos, but I think overall, the, the uh, you know, I would, I would rather have a video where the light levels change than mm. have to film in a dark room. Yeah. Because yeah. filming in a dark room is just super grim. Whereas, you know, filming in here is it's kind of pleasant. Yeah, it feels very bright and airy. That's the one. That's the vibe we're going for. We're going for like white greenery from the plants and maybe like a splash of like pastel colors maybe blue because i think a lot of youtuber studios are at least in the sort of tech productivity world are quite like dark mode mm. whereas i would very much want to go light mode light right. airy so it's been cool been in the studio for a week now and two weeks now wait what day is it yeah we moved in on october the first so it's good so you commute to the studio in the morning and then you go back home in the evening yes yeah the studio is a 10 minute cycle a boris bike from my place and what I try and do is arrange a personal trainer session in the morning because the gym is a 10 minute walk from the studio. So it's like mm. cycle to the gym, 
do my PT session slash do a token workout and then walk to here. Um, grab a little, you know, protein shake from the gym vending machine on the way home. Maybe go on the way here, grab a Huel. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good setup. That's been the studio thing. Other exciting news. What else has happened that's cool? I went to a YouTuber summit, conferency type two-day thing over like last, last week. That was pretty sick. Oh, yeah? Made some new friends, hung out with some old friends, talked about YouTube. Do you enjoy talking about YouTube a lot? Yes. I love it. I love that shit. Does it feel like it would ever get boring talking about YouTube? Like, it's not really talking about YouTube. Like, that's like, I, I, I don't know. I feel it's, it's sort of like talking about startups in that there's like an endless amount of content to talk about with startups, especially when people have their own lived experience of, experiences mm-hmm. of them. And everyone has... Yeah, I guess hearing people's stories is always interesting. Yeah. And, you know, sharing struggles and challenges and things. And it's nice doing it with other YouTubers who are also of a kind of similar size slash have, slash have experience in doing YouTube as a kind of big deal type thing, mm. um, where the experience is slightly different than when you're just starting out as a YouTuber. So it's just cool having hanging out with peers, exchanging ideas. Do you feel like your peer group is becoming more YouTuber people? Yeah, most of the people I would chat to about like what's going on in the business and stuff are other YouTuber type people. Yeah, sure. Um, slash... I talk to my medic friends about it. I mean, I do. I do sometimes talk to my medic friends about it as well because they're just broadly, generally cool people and yeah. can act as a sounding board for stuff. Um, but certainly, that the more I've been away from medicine, the less I kind of fit in to. Our, you know, we had some we had some friends over over this week who were all doctors. Um, where and when, when once you get a bunch a critical mass of doctors together in a place, all the chat is about medicine, mm. and usually the chat is isn't about like, at least in, in my experience, it's not about like, oh, there was a super inspiring patient I saw and, and that mm. kind of thing. It's more about, oh my God, it was an absolute shit show when this thing happened in the yeah. hospital and this poor patient ended up dying because of X, Y, Z and it was just so bad, like we were so understaffed and basically it's sort of the sharing of traumatic horror stories mm. that if the general public were to, were to catch wind that this, this is what happens in basically every hospital in the country, yeah. um, it, would, it, would be, it would be an outrage. For example, if you talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I realized that the thing I missed about medicine was the stories that you get from it. Mm. So I, I think it's kind of like being a teacher. Yeah, There's yeah, yeah. a lot of war stories that you get when you're a teacher. Mm. A lot of war stories you get when you're a medic. Yeah. Um, and, and in a way, in a way, sort of the, the two hospitals in which I was working um, for my two years were actually pretty, pretty solid. So I, I didn't have that many kind of stories of incompetence. Yeah. Whereas, and, and I, I kind of feel that, oh, I sort of wish I'd been in a less good hospital mm. where those, it's like every, every day there's like five stories to choose from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely hilarious stuff going on that you just wouldn't expect. Yeah, I've always, I've always kind of felt that, I think teachers have it really good on this front where, there's, I mean, even, even if it's not like horror stories going on, there's just like interesting slash funny stuff that happens every single day. And it seems like, every day is quite different whereas i think if you're a knowledge worker and you sit at a desk on a computer all day (laughs) you know at the end of the day like (laughs) you're sitting at a desk on a computer (laughs) yeah well if you think about okay like you know if if someone else how was work (laughs) you know you're not gonna have anything interesting to say for the most part yeah how's work oh man oh my calendar oh zoom call zoom call zoom sales meetings (laughs) yeah like yeah I, I, i am quite jealous of jobs like being a teacher or being a doctor where I, I think it's because you're interacting with a different set of people every day mm. whereas 
in like more of an office setting, it's the same set of people that you're seeing every day. There's no like, you know, general public coming in and out. Yeah, I guess being in, being so being sort of uh, in sales or working in a store where mm. you do get like the whole gamut of the population coming in. Yeah, yeah. To be like, oh, this really funny thing happened. We had someone come into the store the other day, and they said, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like stories like that, I feel like I don't have too many, you know, stories that come up that I can share. You know, if if like friends or you know, Mimi asks, oh, well, how how was work? Yeah, it was fine. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing else to say. Yeah. <laughs> Once a week, I could say, oh yeah, we played uh, virtual mini golf. <laughs> kind of vibes. Uh, so last week, was it, we, we, we talked about your, your calendar woes. Mm, we did, yeah. How has your calendar woeing been? Yeah, so this week I've blocked out 8 to, 8 to 10 a.m. I think on one day it was good. Ah, oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. All right, let me explain to you why it wasn't as good as I'd hoped. So there was a car. So I think lo- so last night, we um, one of our team members went back to India after staying with us for a few weeks. And so we had like a goodbye dinner and stuff. Hmm. And so we were up quite late. And so I ended up sleeping um, quite late last night. And so this morning's 8 to 10 a.m. personal time was taken up just sleeping. <laughs> um, so that wasn't great. Um, there was one day where the 8 to 10 slots... I, I, there, were, there were like two, maybe two days this week out of the four so far where the 8 to 10 a.m. slot was not jeopardized. But basically, I think I talked about this before, my morning poo, it messes everything up. You wake up at 8, you think... <laughs> Are you doing it in the bathroom? Or? <laughs> yeah, it just like, it sometimes just takes a while. Okay. And then it's like freaking 8.40, 8.50. Yeah. And then you're like done with the bathroom and you can really start the day. Sorry, your morning poo takes... 50 minutes <laughs> I mean not 50 minutes okay so look I might get out of bed slightly late I might get out of bed at like 8.15 right I've got the solution <laughs> I've what? got the solution the solution is to delay the bathroom no, not do the morning poo yeah genuinely Ooh. Uh, so, so, so for me medical advice or? yes yeah, yeah, no, this, this is genuine medical advice so, so, so for me usually I, w- I wake up first thing I do is have a shower right okay but then it's like, well, I'm in the bathroom. I might as well sit on the toilet and doing a wee. And oh, okay, well, you know, while I'm here, I might, I, might, I might as well do a poo. While I'm here, I might as well scroll Twitter a bit. Oh, scrolling Twitter is bad. Probably, you know, let's read. What, what, what was I reading on Kindle? Oh, who? The A method of hiring. Oh, interesting. Highlight, 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 highlight. You know, should probably wipe now. And then, <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, I, I kind of need to have a shower now, but the bathroom's a bit stinky. I haven't got my Febreze. So let's like air it out five minutes or so, just chill on my phone, wait for the smell to go, go have a shower. Um, before you know, the day's over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's all because I went into the bathroom first thing in the morning. <laughs> right, yeah. The, the solution is to get up, go into the living room, make a coffee, sit with my laptop and do some journaling slash writing stuff, mm. plan out my day, Maybe do some emails if I get emails. I don't really, I don't, don't really do emails. But just do some, like, use that kind yeah, of morning yeah. creative juices to do some writing. And then by the time I finish my coffee, coffee also makes you do a poo. Oh. So then there's a very natural gap where it's like, okay, now mm. it's time for the bathroom and the shower and stuff. Yeah. And so I can get a solid half an hour to an hour of work yeah. slash journaling slash writing done in the morning. Yeah. Provided I don't enter the bathroom. <laughs> so, it's game over. Once try that. <laughs> try that for next week. Okay, not entering the bathroom. Yeah, I think that would be good. But yeah, the slot is there. I think, if, yeah, I think it's just about sleeping on time. This is the thing, right? I, I've been thinking about the sleeping on time thing. Um, 
So I moved into my new place like like three three days ago or so, mm. and sort of moved in at like nine p.m. after after a solid day of uh, sitting on the computer doing doing what looks like work, and then uh, just outside my building, I ran into a guy who I knew from university like four years ago, mm. and I was like, "Maybe hey, at dinner," and he was like, "No, but I'm actually just on my, on on my way to my place to have dinner with a wife. Do you want to join us?" I was like, "Yeah, all right. Mm. Why not? You know, it's a social thing." I thought, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. journey before destination, social stuff. Then it was like 11 p.m. when I left his place, having had like a pow bhaji, which was mm. which was very tasty. And then I was like, well, you know, this this vegetarian food doesn't quite do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of need a more substantial meal. I got a call from Masaid being like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, well, it's 11 p.m. and I was planning to kind of move my stuff and go to sleep. But have you had dinner yet? Do you, do you fancy a takeaway? And he came over and we had a takeaway mm. until like bring him 1.30 in the morning. Yeah. And it's like, oh, crap, my parking runs out tomorrow. I need to move the car. So let's move the car. Before I knew it was like 2 a.m., I was yeah. like, oh, God, I'm sleeping now, and I have to wake up at, at 8 a.m. to do this videographer thing. But I was thinking that should I set a rule for myself whereby I am going to say no to social things that happen late into the night such that I can sleep on time? Because if I, do, if I sleep on time, then the next day is, like, completely sorted. Yeah. But if I don't sleep on time, usually because there's a social thing happening, then the next day is sort of a little bit shafted. Yeah. And I don't know how to think about that balance between, you know, when you're when you're on your deathbed, will you regret the times that you went to sleep on time, or will, will you regret like not socializing with your friends a bit more? You know that that sort of stuff is a little bit in my mind. Yeah, I think I think it's it's definitely good to make room for impromptu social things. I think those often uh, tend to be quite good. Uh, but yeah, as long as I think as long as it's not the norm. Like yesterday, you know, I, I was going back to din uh, India after four weeks of staying with us. You know, special occasion. We'll mm -hmm. go out to dinner. We'll hang out. Play four-player chess into the night. Um, yeah, I think that's worth it. Yeah, I don't object to that. Yeah, as, as long as it's not the norm, I think. Mm. I think there should definitely be room for that. Yeah, so I think the eight eight to ten a.m. slot is good. Um, yeah, I'll try the bathroom thing. I had a great breakfast with a chap yesterday. Um, really cool chap, actually. His name is Shriram Krishnan. Oh yeah. Um, do you know? I think uh, this is a VC chap. Yeah, VC chap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one of the 15 general partners at A16Z. Mm. And he was in London for a few days. And a mutual friend introduced us. Mm. And it was great. It was a super sick guy. Um, yeah. And it was, a, it was an interesting conversation in that he, he was speaking really fast. And he was like really switched on. I felt like I had to be fully present oh, to really? even keep, keep <laughs> up with the pace at which the conversation was going. What were you, what were you talking about at such a high pace? Oh, just... I don't know, stuff. Um, he was telling me a little bit about his background. We were talking about like the creator economy. We were talking about angel investing. It was also about, you know, I guess he's a VC, so his, his job is to have just lots of meetings with people. Mm. But he was, he was like really nice, friendly, personable, seemed to know a lot about me, uh, you know, had, 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 had clearly seen a lot of the videos and was referencing things from the videos. I was like, oh, you know, that's oh, nice. very flattering. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was wondering, like, is this, is this what a good VC does for like yeah. startup am founders? I, am, am I being played? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was super nice. And he was, he was giving me a lot of advice around angel investing in particular. Yeah. And Any good nuggets? Yeah. So I think, I think previously I'd been, I'd been thinking of angel investing in terms of like the unit economics of it. Like, okay, if I invest X amount into this startup, and then I'm hoping, well, I'm hoping if I make enough bets, then yeah. over time, I don't know, this, this thing will make money. And what he was saying, which was interesting, is that don't view angel investing as a way of making money. Mm. See it as a way of uh, kind of increasing your optionality and opportunity for things for later on in life. And once you build your brand as a, angel, as a decent angel investor, then 
you will make money just over over the next sort of six, seven to ten years, just by default because of the compounding effect yeah. of the, in the investments that 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 you do. But more importantly, the he his vibe was that you know there's a, there's a large amount of non-economic value in mm. being an investor. Yeah, and you actually don't need to put that much money into it. Yeah. And he said the difference bit the difference between being on a cap table and not being on a cap table is absolutely huge. Whereas the difference between five k, ten k, whatever angel checks is, yeah, yeah. is 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 minimal. Yeah. And so that was interesting. Like I was I was thinking afterwards that this could have been a, could be a potentially life changing conversation if I do decide to take angel investing more seriously. Mm. And it was I I found the parallel. I was drawing a parallel between sort of what he seemed to be saying about angel investing and uh, kind of being a YouTuber, in that when you're a beginner YouTuber. Well, I, I suppose like the 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 sort of basic way of, view, of viewing a YouTube channel is I make a video, I get X amount in terms of AdSense money, I get X amount in terms of the brand sponsorship. Great, let's make another video. Yeah. Whereas the way that the pro YouTubers view YouTube is like, it's not really about the unit economics of a single video. Mm. It is actually more about the very long-term play of like, I'm going to be making videos for the next like five years. Yeah. Over time, that's going to compound to have economic and non-economic economic yeah. benefit for me. I think he seemed to be seeing angel investing in mm. that in that category. Right, that right. it's less about the individual investments and more about the long term right, stuff right. that that you make from it. The thing that I this always kind of made me a bit hesitant with the investor stuff is I feel that once you invest in a company, you are sort of beholden to them in a way. And if my calendar is already chock a block where I can barely find time to kind of make time to write my book, mm. and then if let's say I've invested in somewhere like I don't know twenty startups. And oh, even once a month, half of them decide to message me asking for something. Mm. Then it's like, oh, I'm now I'm now letting these people down by not making yeah, time for them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And yeah. if I do make time for them, well, I don't have time in my schedule to make for them. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, look, I think the, I think the um, the kinds of requests startups make of angel investors is usually pretty minimal stuff, mm. unless like you have expertise in a very specific area, which is very relevant to them. Requesting okay. and be like, hey, can you intro me to this person? Or can you, put, can you tweet about this or whatever, right? Um, so I don't think, think it's that time consuming. But I think, um, I think a couple of years ago, Tiago had a really good tweet about what angel investing actually is nowadays. And he said that it's, uh, yes, yeah, something about how it's not really a business transaction so much as uh, kind of like, kind of like in how in the, in the olden days, you know, two two families would like marry their kids off to have like a sort of a, a formal sort of a bond, or you know, it's it's kind of like that where you're sort of marrying into a network or a family kind of thing, rather than having like a business transaction. Okay, and like, I think the analogy is good because you know, in the olden days, two families that want to like you know join, join together, mm. you know, there is monetary and non-monetary value that will come from that, but it's just a way of like formalizing. Uh, formalizing a relationship with another person mm. um sort of like know. a sort of a coach mentor uh, a co coach relationship <laughs> um it's a bit more transactional but yeah a bit 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 much to, <laughs> to say that I'm, I'm a coach to my angel investment so i think that's uh that's a little distasteful but yeah <laughs> something like that so it was a good breakfast it was a good breakfast yeah the other thing we we, we talked about i was <laughs> And I think we talked about the you and I talked about this this time last year. Um, my kind of toying with the idea of, uh, of applying to the Harvard MBA. Oh yeah, did yeah. you ask him about this? That old chestnut, yeah. Oh god, yeah. What did he say? Um, <laughs> his his thesis on this was like he was like, hmm, that's interesting. Why? And I was like, well, because it could be fun and 
you know, it, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be good content for the channel, and it's an excuse to be in America for two years, and maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll meet some cool people. Uh, his 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 thing was like, okay, broadly, there are two main reasons why people do an MBA. Number one is the social signaling, and number two is the network. And he said, social signaling. Hmm, for me, given he he was like, well, given that you've already got the sort of Cambridge medicine pedigree, mm. you don't need another badge of social signaling. Yeah, necessarily. Um, he said on the networking stuff, on the networking side, yeah, maybe you could meet some cool people, but you could also just go to America and meet cool people anyway. Yeah, yeah. And he said on the content front that, yeah, he was like, yeah, I get that. You need to sort of refill the well and kind of live an experience, which then you can document on the YouTube channel and stuff. But doing an MBA in America sort of feels like, I don't know, it, it just sort of feels like more of the same. Yeah. Um, whereas you could probably have, he said, I could probably have a more interesting experience if I wasn't tied to turning up to lectures and doing hmm, essays. Is that what he said? Wow. <laughs> what did you think of that? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, you really got me <laughs> thinking about that one. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I think, I feel like, let's say I can, I can do whatever I want with my life, basically. Yeah. Um, but... I don't have a model of what a lot of these different options look like. For example, I don't know, I could travel the world for two years, for a year or two. Mm -hmm. I could be a backpacker. I could live on a boat. I could, like, you know, there's like literally the world is one's oyster at, at a certain level of freedom. But the only real models of what I, ha of, of life that I have are, oh, being, being at uni was fun. Okay. And given that being at uni was really fun, and I met cool people and made loads of friends and it was great for, you know, I learned some stuff and it was great for content. I was like, oh, great. Given that I have all these options open to me, let, let's go back to uni in, in a slightly different format because it's probably going to be fun. I'll probably make new friends and it'll, it'll, it'll just be a kind of interesting experience. And therefore, the whole apply to MBA programs or master's programs in a place like America or even elsewhere feels like it's enough of the same thing that I know I'll probably enjoy it but it's sufficiently different in that it's not the UK, that it'll be a, a different kind of experience. Okay, why are you making a weird face? It's just so stupid, man. This is just like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, right? So help, how do you help. buy this when you said, yeah, do you buy this yourself? Like, what are you thinking about this? No, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm buying. I'm 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 trying to. All right, okay. Lo look, lots I'm of trying to understand why I'm lots so of things, attracted to this idea. Lots of things are fun, and yes. you can meet cool people. All right, that's not the bar. There are loads of things that could do that. I think you need to. I think it's worth thinking a little bit outside of what's fun. But you know, even in your own terms, you probably want to be maximizing. Uh, you know, having fun and meeting cool people. And it just seems like this is obviously not the way to do that. Mm. Like, why would this be the way to do that? <laughs> like two years in this obscure structured environment where you have commitments that you don't care about mm. just in order to have this sort of backdrop to i don't know meet people i mean you seem to be meeting people without that mm. aren't you mm. do you feel like like surely you know per you're meeting more cool people per month now than you were at university and if you were limiting yourself to being at a university and meeting cool people at a university you would meet f fewer cool people per month i i agree with all of these things yeah uh, but you're you're asking why do i still feel this like sort of intrinsic draw to like no i know i know why i feel the intrinsic draw it's because it is that's the only thing you've ever had it's the only thing i've ever had basically <laughs> okay right um 
But then uh, if we if we ignored that side of it, then it feels like way too much a blank canvas where it's like, you know, when you have, it's like the paradox of choice, when you have all these options of things that you, you could potentially mm. do. And I don't, I don't know what I would be doing. I mean, I'm, prob I'm, I'm probably going to be in London for the next year. We've got this, we've got the studio for a year. I've got the flat for a year. It seems, it feels like it would make sense for London, for London to be the home base for the next 12 months. Are you supposed to be writing a book? Why don't yeah. you do that? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more kind of beyond that point. Okay. So the, theoretically, the book will be written in the next sort of nine months or so. Okay. So that'll be taking up the bulk of my time. And I want to, I don't know, go to Bali for like a week to do a little writing retreat. You know, the, those little bits and bobs here and there are basically where London is the home base for the next 12 months. Okay. But then beyond that point, I'm like, well, if I do want to do something like, I don't know, apply to Harvard, then that, that's a decision that needs to be made like right now rather than in 12 months time. Yeah, it feels like it just, it's something that passes the time, man. <laughs> it's like the lowest, the lowest common denominator, like activity, which is, yeah, I, I need something to pass the time. Yeah, so how, <laughs> the, how the hell do I figure out what to do? I need something to pass the time. It's, it's less, okay, I need something to pass the time. I need something that is a sufficiently interesting experience to document the journey of. I think almost anything that you do outside of a structured university degree would be more interesting to document than documenting the life as a during a structured university degree. Really? I just cannot fathom why you think that would be so interesting. I don't know, study with me videos. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to go to the library and film six hour long time lapses. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy the simple pleasures in life. <laughs> oh my goodness. So do you agree that this is a stupid idea? Do you agree that this, this is not the right option? It's just I, about I don't what, know do I, what do I do the, instead. I don't know what the other alternatives are. Why can't the alternative be you write, you bang out your book over the next nine months and see what you want to do? Okay. The one options for the things that I might want to do yeah. is go back to university. Okay. That's a decision that needs to be made a, a, a sort of 12 months ahead of time as opposed to... Ah, let me, let me tell you. All right. Let me tell you a decision that needs to be made three years ahead of time. This, this will pass the time. <laughs> Are you, do you know the knowledge? The knowledge is a test that uh, London black cab drivers have to do. It takes three years. <laughs> you want to pass the time, if you need to make that decision today, <laughs> if you want a shot of doing that in three years, you better get started, mate. <laughs> do you see what I? Do you see what I mean? Do you see my point? <laughs> um. <laughs> and, <laughs> your journey to uh, to do the knowledge and become a black cab driver would be far more interesting content than like going to a university again. Would it? I don't think it would. Sorry? I don't think it would. I'm pretty sure it would. I mean, you definitely have to like traipse around London quite a lot. Okay. Okay. My point is yep. like there are loads of things that will pass the time. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them even require more years than just one in advance. <laughs> that's, that's what you care about. Yep. I feel, okay, no, I feel like I need some sort of slightly medium-term plan. Dude, you make YouTube videos. What, like, what's... Isn't that what you do? Doesn't that take up your time? Uh, yeah, that's what I do for now. Okay. But but I'm, thinking, I'm thinking 12 months from now. 12 months from now, you not, don't want to be making YouTube? No, I do want to be making YouTube videos, okay, but I'm thinking... About like About what? You know, when I think about the YouTube channel, it's not like what video I'm going to make this week, is how will I continue to stay relevant for the next like, five years? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. And so kind of book is one way of doing it, podcast is another way of doing it, like, you know, branching out into content areas, A, B, and C is another way of doing it. But another way of doing it is where I am consciously living, living a, a sort of life an, an, an interesting sort of life that i want to be living that is sort of amenable to being being documented and if i imagine for example doing a master's in in america or at, in another country 
That feels like, yeah, that feels like the sort of life Dude, I'd want to be anything living. Anything can be documented. Yeah. All right. What do you think? All right. David Dobrik, for example, documents the hell out of his life, right? <laughs> what does he do all day? Who, the, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Just hanging out. <laughs> Until very recently, he could not even leave the country. <laughs> no. For the first time in his life, a few months. Uh, uh, I went to Slovakia or something. Hey, right, well, yeah, I went to his uh, home country of Slovakia. He was in, uh, anyway, in Greece recently. He'd literally been bound to <laughs> USA. It doesn't seem like there's any structure around his life. There's still plenty to document. And in terms of interestingness, it's definitely some of the most interesting content on YouTube because so many people really like it. And he's, mm. he's, he's not doing anything in particular. He's just hanging out. Hmm. Like any anything can be turned into content. I don't I don't think you need this like you know structured program. Okay. I feel I actually I feel like there's something deeper to this Harvard MBA business. All right, tell me. What is it? <laughs> I it's just like so bizarre. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I feel like it's I feel like maybe you're just you know caught up in a prestige trap and you, you maybe you do actually just care about having, you know, having prestigious badges i don't know i don't think that's it i think it's like again like i i sort of built my platform off of the prestige badges okay and now that i'm not leaning into those those particular prestige badges particularly heavily i feel like okay cool in terms of unfair advantages and in terms of competitive advantages in this sort of space one thing that I can do reasonably well is garner more prestige badges. Dude, uh, okay, the, the reason I think the prestige thing is stupid at this point mm -hmm. is because if you have too many YouTube subscribers, that will eclipse all these other prestige. Like, none of the other stuff is relevant in terms of prestige. Like, do you really think having a Harvard MBA is relevant in terms of prestige if you already have too many? It'll be if, like, yeah, like, the, the prestige scales are just, uh, <laughs> I think, very different here, you know? <laughs> Like, do do you think that is an, a useful prestige badge? Once you already have like the credibility of having lots of YouTube subscribers, uh, potentially, uh, because to whom? Okay, so so potentially, if we wanted to make courses further down the line about things like entrepreneurship and business, then the prestige badge of well, you know, I I have done an MBA, and here is the stuff that you can learn about business to apply to your creator life. As 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 an example, is a reason why that could be. That could be a useful badge. No, it's not. Okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Okay, okay, but like, the, it's 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 less about it's less about that, and I think I think the wider problem here is the the set of options. Yeah. Of which some are more salient, namely going to university and doing a thing. Significantly more salient because that is the thing that I know, and I think all my friends know, and the other options for what feasibly I could be doing in that time instead feel very like well, I don't know. That is, that's the ultimate issue here. Why do you need like a tangible thing to be doing a year from now? A year from now, lots, lots are going to have changed. Um, like why do you think you need to be making a plan a year from now? I don't need to be making concrete plans, but certainly I feel like, I feel like it's useful to have a destination. Like, you know, the journey is more important than the destination, but it's, it's useful to have some sort of destination in mind such that you can set off on the journey and, and enjoy the journey along the way. I think the destination here is making YouTube videos. The destination is not like, you know, going to a university or whatever. The, the destination is... Okay, yeah. how about this? Why, why, not, why not go to like a completely different country? 
Like, yeah, the, if you were telling me, you know, I want to go to, you know, the University of Tokyo and do a degree or something, you know, I want to experience a new culture, live a, you know, live a new life, see what, yeah. see what, you know, see what else life, life could be about. Yes. I'd get that. I'd be like, okay, you know, you want to go to a new country. University gives you a community, gives you sort of people you can interact with. Mm. I, I understand that. But you're saying, I want to go <laughs> across the pond <laughs> to America to do the same thing. <laughs> like, I don't get it. I mean, honestly, because it, because it, okay. Can you not get why, why it feels like it would be fun? Yes, I understand why it feels like it would be fun. Okay, like that's, that's the main reason. I don't understand why you think it might even be close to the most fun thing you could be doing with two years of your life and you know, $200,000 or however much it costs to an MBA. Because I'm a nerd and I like kind of, I, I enjoy, <clears throat> I, I, the, the reason I feel that's fun is because I feel like university was like peak fun time of my life in, in, in terms of like, in, in terms of measure, right? There are things like going on holiday or like hanging out in the water park in Bali with, with friends that are like very high fun in terms of magnitude. But university as a whole was a very high measure fun. And so I'm like, great. You know, given that I know what I know about myself is that I really enjoyed university as a sort of high measure fun. A lot of my friends didn't. They're the sort of people that'd be like, you know, what's your idea of fun? Probably not going back, going back to university for two years. Given that that was my idea of fun, I'm like, great. Okay. Okay. The other thing that just seems really obvious to me yeah. is that, yes, you enjoyed university from ages 18 to 24 or whatever. I think, you know, I think it would seem obvious to most people that like, oh yeah, just because I had a fun experience at university mm. when I was, you know, 18 to 24, that doesn't mean that I want to have that kind of fun again. That doesn't mean like that'll be fun again, you know? It doesn't necessarily, no, but it, it, if you found something fun in the fairly recent past, chances are, and, and, and you're trying to decide what do I do with my life? A university bird, a bird is in the, the, yeah, like, a bird in the hand a bird in the hand you know? right <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably gonna be pretty fun i don't know man i think university is one of the things which is much more like a uh, okay, one have, and done i have the answer won't be fun multiple times okay what's the answer I have, the answer is i need to i need to expand my books essentially yes <laughs> and the way i expand my books is by speaking to people who are doing things that are currently i, I view to be outside outside of my books mm. um slash listening to podcasts from people who are doing things that I perceive to be outside of my box. Just so I can be like, oh, okay, these are, these are the sorts of possibilities. And I found that when I was, I had a phase of listening to Rolf Potts's pos, uh, podcast, which is all about like long-term travel. Okay. And where he would be speaking to these people who've like traveled the world for five years with just a backpack. Yeah. Um, the, that kind of stuff is like, oh, wow, this is a lifestyle that I just never knew existed. That mm. seems, seems kind of interesting. Equally, when I spoke to this VC guy and sort of, I got a glimpse into what the VC life is like. I was like, oh, this is just very different to what I know. Mm. Uh, maybe it's not my cup of tea, but the fact is like, I would not have known anything about this sort of lifestyle had, I, had we not had this conversation. So I feel like more of these sorts of conversations, meeting with people who are doing things that seem cool, where I can be like, oh, okay, if I'm deciding what to do with my life, now I have more of a, a colorful picture to choose from. Um, not that I need to choose a sort of set piece, mm. as it were, like, hey, I'm going to join McKinsey for two years or I'm going to do this VC thing for two years or, or, or whatever. Yeah. But just more like having, uh, just having, having a little bit of context about how other people live their lives. Um, yeah. Outside of the whole, well, yeah, just go to, go to a random country and then you already see how other people live it. Like, okay. Why don't you do that? Wouldn't that be cool? You and, you and your, your team out in some random country. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I feel, it feels like it'd be fun for a week or so. Yeah, maybe. But I do like the idea of, of living in a different city for like a month at a time. But it's just an idea given that I've never really, never really tried it. Mm. But you agree this Harvard MBA thing is stupid? 
Like, come on. Um, like, it is... Okay. Uh, I, d- I, I don't think it's stupid. I think it's tunnel vision-y. I think it just comes back to that question of, like, what, what do I think I would enjoy doing? And chances are I would, I would, I would enjoy doing most things. But, you know, for, ex- for example, like, if I enjoyed writing a book, chances are I would enjoy writing another book. And therefore, when thinking about what to do with my life... That's just not how it works. <laughs> okay. May, may, I, I mean, it kind of is. I can because maybe if see, you're thinking... I, can, okay, I think university is one of the few places where that's probably not how it works, right? I know. I mean, why... You're, you're, you're learning interesting things. You're hanging out with people who are learning interesting things. There's a very social environment. You've got the community built in. There's lots of clubs and societies to choose from. I think a big... And you have sufficient spare time on the weekends and in the evenings. And basically, you can skive off lectures if you want to do something more interesting with your time. Like, that seems like a pretty solid setup for having fun. You could, you could do all that stuff without university, just living in a city. The university structure doesn't add anything. I think the reason why university is fun when you're, like, 18 years old mm. is because you leave home, you have independence meeting a bunch of other people. You can find people, you know, who are kind of, you know, similar to you, kind mm-hmm. of your tribe, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just, I, it just seems very obvious to me that, like, doing that 10 years, doing that same thing 10 years later. How old are you, 28, 27? 27. So you'd, you'd be like 28, 29. Mm. Like, 10 years later and doing, doing that all over again. Oh, four years later. Sorry? Four years, six years later, four years later. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I left at 24 and I was still having fun at 24. Uh, okay, sure, yeah. Mm. It feels to me like d- doing that again would probably feel quite different. Okay. And I think most people would agree with that. Like, I, I, really, I, I really don't feel like it needs to be explained why that would be different. Oh, I agree it would be different. I think, like, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with the things that you're saying. Okay. What I'm saying is university is not, like, a sort of immediately dismissible option. as like, this is clearly a stupid idea. No. It's, it's, like, <laughs> it's okay. like, no, this is a potentially fun thing which takes a lot of the boxes for the things, the stuff that makes things fun. Yes, there are other options, but if you don't know what those, what those other options are and you don't really have a sense of kind of other people who are doing that sort of thing. I don't think, that, okay, I think you, you have the next year of your life set out where you're mm-hmm. meant to be writing this book and cranking out some YouTube videos. Yeah. I don't see why you need to be thinking further ahead than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about like how much your life has changed in the past one year or the past two years, yeah. like a year from now, post book, things are probably gonna be quite different. Mm. And even if you decide now that like, oh yeah, COVID MBA is the way to go. Mm. I can almost guarantee a year from now, yep. things will be sufficiently different where you think like, man, I'm definitely not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. You know, okay, I actually have a hard stop. I have to go. Um, but yeah, we should, uh, I'll be curious to see if you're <laughs> thinking develops anymore on this front because this is just the most bizarre thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Well, that's the episode. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next week. Bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.